children and your children's children. May His favor be upon you. In your goings and in your comings, in your rejoicing, in your weeping, I pray that the presence of God go with you. Bless your Holy Spirit. you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. My reading is taken from the book of Psalm chapter 37 and verse 7. And it says, Be still and rest in the Lord. Wait for Him and patiently lean yourself upon Him. You know, we as a people, we are the most impatient at any given stage. Not one of you can say, I'm not, I'm one that will be patient in, in any situation, whether it be in a supermarket queue or in a, in a hospital waiting room or in a sitting in traffic. What happens to us when we are waiting? Sometimes the worst comes out, right? We get angry, we get frustrated, uh, we say things that we're not supposed to be saying, we do actions that we're not supposed to be doing. But here the Bible says, be still and rest in the Lord. Wait for Him and patiently rest, uh, lean yourself upon Him. You know, when I looked at the word uh, wait in the Hebrew original language, it means to, it means to be entwined as, as a rope. And for me, it was so important because I said, Lord, for us to be entwined with you, it means that the connection has to be so strong that in my time of waiting, it does not matter how I feel, but Lord, I know that you are in control. And then it says, patiently lean yourself upon him. In my time of distress, in my time when burdens are too heavy, in the time when I cannot fathom or understand the challenges that I'm going through, I'm not alone because I'm patiently leaning upon God. And I'm saying, Lord, in your time, when you say yes, Lord, when you have the answer for me, I will wait patiently. Because when we wait on our own, when we look at our own timing, we do things prematurely. And sometimes it does not work out the way we want it to want it or the way God wants it for us. In Isaiah 40 and verse 31, it says, those that wait upon the Lord, they will rise up with wings as eagles. When we wait upon God, we see things from a different perspective. We see it from His perspective. And His perspective gives us a view where we're looking from above and not from where we are. And when we see things from where He's seeing things, we are able to wait and we say, Lord, we will be patient because God, we see the situation like you are seeing it. So I pray today that every one of you, whether you are here in this room this morning or you in your home watching online or wherever you are, the Bible says, be still, rest in the Lord, wait for him and patiently lean yourself upon him. I pray that we will be a people that will be patient in this time and not try to outrun God, but walk with him. Let's just bow our heads in the word of prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord. Your word says that we need to rest in you, Lord. We need to be still. And there are times, oh God, when, Father, because of our impatience, Lord, there are things, oh God, that we do, Father, that does not work according to your plan, and time is lost. But I pray, oh God, that as your children today, help us to rest in you, to wait upon you, to be still, and to patiently lean on you, oh God. And know, Father, that if you have our lives in your hands, that you have total control. Everything, oh God, will work out according to your perfect plan and purpose. So I pray this morning, oh God, that as we stand and we are in your presence, as we wait, Lord, we will just not wait, oh God, and do nothing. But we will worship you, we will praise you, 
We will, oh God, uh, uh, communicate with you, Lord. We will spend our time in your word, Father, in our time of waiting so that we will not be frustrated. We will not become angry, oh God. We will not do things that are out of your plan and your will. So I pray that you will continue, Lord, to bless us and be with us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. I greet you this morning in the precious name of Jesus. It's so good to see so many of you. For those that are watching online, I pray that you will stay connected and you will be blessed. I hand over to Ozzy and the team. Hallelujah. Amen. It's such a beautiful day, a beautiful morning just to give God praise. Amen. We're grateful to be alive because we serve a God who is really possible. Amen. All things are possible, not just something that's not God.
right now we
about Samuel. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, and, and the, Bible, uh, the Bible says it like this. Let me read this. Oh, I'm skipping that verse. It says, So the Philistines were subdued, and they came no more to the coast of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. That means there's an anointing like Samuel had that is able to keep the enemy at bay. That means the enemy is not able to attack just because Samuel was in Israel. You've got to discern the one that carries the grace of Samuel. The one that carries an anointing of, of Shema. Now, many of you have seen this. There is that, that individual in your home that keeps the family together. There's that individual in your family that keeps the family together. And sometimes when that person passes on, often the family divides and they all go in their own way. That person carried an anointing to Shema to protect, to keep everything together. Now you need to discern. I believe in every generation, not just our grandparents, not just our parents, but even amongst the children, there are those that carry an anointing to Shema. Now if you carry an anointing to Shema, you have to learn how to carry the weight, like Samuel. He had to learn how to carry the weight and from a very young age, he had to have a passion over the house of Israel. Now God is calling you to Shema your home, your family, your, your community, but also the church. You have a responsibility to God over God's house. Not only the pastor, not only the leaders, but all of us have got a responsibility to Shema. Now I pray that you would not neglect your responsibility. If God has placed you as one that is watches over, you've got to trust God. Like, like, like Samuel in his generation, he shamed Israel. The Bible said the enemies could not attack him. But also the Bible says whatever word came out of the mouth of Samuel, none of his words fell to the ground. But it all accomplished. Now, this is very important. May none of your words fall to the ground. May God anoint you so that whatever you speak will come to pass. Amen. That was the powerful thing. So this morning... As we prepare our hearts to partake of the table of the Lord, I want you to say, Lord, help me to shema that which you have entrusted to me. Amen. That you will not neglect, you, you will guard over, preserve, watch over whatever God has given you. The Bible says in Psalm 121, Behold, he that keepeth Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is the your shade upon your right hand. The Lord shall... The sun shall not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall, shama, shall preserve you from all evil, and he will preserve your soul. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bring your sons and your daughters to you, that even as we prepare to partake of the table of the Lord, that we will understand that we are called to be those that will watch over. Like Adam, we are the keeper of the garden. And the garden today may be the things that you have placed under our control. Even in our workplaces, help us to shema. In our businesses, help us to shema. Oh God, wherever we are, let the grace, oh God, that protects, the grace that preserves, the grace that watches over be evident in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll partake of the emblems together.
We bless the Lord at all times and his praises shall continuously be in our lips. Amen. I will bless the Lord at all times. Amen. Thanks to worship team. Amen. I wanted to share a few thoughts with you and if you go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 12. I'm going to share a few thoughts with you this morning um, on this on the scripture. I've entitled the sermon this morning, Empty Spaces. Amen. And I want to share this with you. I believe it is profound not only for you as an individual, but for us as a nation uh, of South Africa. I believe there is importance, and this is not only for our nation, but for the nations of the world. Amen. That as the church, we are required to be those that will shema our communities, our nation, and the body of Christ. Amen. And so as those that will speak, we have to speak the word that will cause us to be protectors of the house of God, of the body of Christ, and the family of God. Now, Matthew chapter 12, Jesus, as, as before, he's dealing with the Pharisees of the day that are continuously uh, interrogating every word that he says and everything that he did. And uh, so he begins to, to, to speak and perform miracles and some agitated them, some stirred them up and some caused them to, 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 to come against him. Now, but he, he, and, and they were talking much about the Sabbath and the importance of the Sabbath. And, and the one thing about the, the spirit of the Pharisee is that it is very, very, uh, it places a lot of emphasis on the letter of the law. Now, one of the challenges of our present day is that we have a highly religious set of people. That means we, uh, we are religious. That means we have a concept about God, but we do not know God by ourselves. That means we, you ask, if you ask South Africa and the statistics of South Africa says that 80% of our nation is Christian, right? But it's not necessarily um, evident in our society. It's not ev evident in our political systems, legal systems, economic systems, our social systems. It's not evident there. But 80% of our society is Christian. So there's a challenge that somewhere down the line, there's a gap. And so Jesus is, in Matthew chapter 12 is, is challenging the Jews of the day about their understanding of the Messiah and, and, and the work that they're supposed to do. But secondly, he's challenging Israel as a nation and saying there is great wickedness coming upon you, but you need to be able to learn how to deal with it. So this is what he, he begins to, to deal with them. Now, in, in, in verses 10, the, 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 the Bible says, And there was a man which had a, a hand with it. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? And that, that they might accuse him. And he said to them, What man is there among you? that will have one sheep, and if the sheep falls into a pit on the Sabbath day, will not lay hold of it and to, to lift it out. How much more then is a man better than sheep? Wherefore it is lawful to do well on, on the Sabbath days. So he said to the man, stretch forth your hand. 
and he stretched it forth and it was restored whole again. So that means Jesus is challenging a very fundamental thinking. Because in the in, in in attached to the Sabbath was a thinking that we do no work. But he said to them, he asked them a question, if you have a sheep, your sheep is stuck in a pit, how many of you will, will go and lift it up? Right? But he says, How much more is this man that has a withered hand? That means he's he needs restoration, he needs healing for his hand. But he says, he says, how much more is a man to the sheep? And he challenges a very fundamental thinking pattern, which is prevalent even today. How many of us will focus more on the material thing? That means the sheep, which was replaceable. Jesus is saying the man's not replaceable, his health is not replaceable. But the, the sheep, which is a material belonging, is replaceable. But you would rather stretch forth and, and do that rather than helping a man that is in need in, on the Sabbath because you want to keep the, 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 the letter of the law in reference to people but not in reference to your material stuff. He's saying you, in, when it comes to the Sabbath, when it comes to your material things, the Sabbath is irrelevant. It's the current state of how we think as a nation and as a people and as the world today. That means if you say to people, you have to work on a Sunday, that's okay. But if you say you have to be at church on a Sunday, no, that's optional. That's what Jesus was challenging. He was challenging the sense of religiosity that people had, that they've had to fulfill certain things. And that's why I say there are people that are religious but they do not have an encounter with God. So he comes to a place and he says, to the man be healed. And the man was restored. And this sparked a whole conversation. It started, sparked a whole challenge because how can you heal? And then they realize now you can't challenge the moral element of why you are healing. We rather challenge how you are healing. Who gave you the power to heal? So they have to come in another way because they couldn't deal with it because if they challenged the morality of what Jesus did in caring for the man, then they would be looked at as bad people. So they didn't want to be looked at as bad people, so they said, rather us challenge by what power is he healing? And then they, they, they come in and, and, and Jesus makes the whole statement that was, and he quotes Isaiah the prophet and he says, Behold, in verse 18, Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I have put my spirit in him that he will show judgment to the Gentiles. And so he goes on and he makes a whole statement. And then in verse 22, 20 he says, A bruised reed he shall not break, a smoking flax he will not quench, Till he sends for judgment and victory, and in his name shall the Gentiles trust. So he's saying he's bringing a message not only to the Jews, but to the Gentiles also. And he's saying they're going to be blessed by this. So they see this is a fulfillment of what Jesus is doing in this day, challenging the status quo of the day. He quotes Isaiah as already saying this is what's going to come. Because there's going to have to come a generation that has to look at what is happening in our society and say this is not according to the word of yeah. the Lord or this is part of what prophecy that has yeah. been fulfilled. Yeah. And so we have to become discerning. 
So he comes in in verses 12 and, and, and 22, and then they, they brought to him one possessed by a devil, blind and dumb. And he healed him in so much that the blind and the dumb man spoke and saw. Huh. So Jesus has now brought another person. So now they bring another challenge for him. But they bring a person, and this is what they say, one possessed by the devil. And the, 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 the possession, the demonic possession has caused blindness and dumbness. And Jesus begins to heal him. But he heals him by casting out the devil. And allowing, allowing him to see and to speak again. Now remember, we're not saying that every physical ailment is demonic. Right? Because there were times when there was blind Bartimaeus. When Jesus would heal him, there wasn't no casting out of a devil. He, yeah. he healed him. Yeah. Right? There was a man that he spat on the ground and he took uh, mud and, and, and he placed it on his eyes. He told him to wash in the pool of Siloam. It was a healing. Right? But in this case, they, he discerned that this physical manifesting as a physical condition was a spiritual problem. Now, I want you to understand that not all of the physical attacks you have against your body is actually physical yeah. or can be treated medically. Some of it is also spiritual. So in this moment, Jesus discerns it's a demon spirit that is possessing the man, causing him to be blind, causing him to be dumb. And, and, and the Bible says, and Jesus healed him. He releases a word, heals him, he begins to see and begins to speak. Now this is the challenge that we are faced to today. Much of the world has become blinded and dumb because the God of this world has blinded our eyes and muscled our mouths that we cannot speak truth in this hour. Now I said to you that a Shema prophet is called to Shema his household his life personally first, his household, and his nation. And I want to share with you, this is what I believe is a current day challenge in our society. That we have a sense of God, a sense of godliness, a sense of understanding, but we don't fully understand everything that God is about to do. Let's go to verse 43. Matthew chapter 12 it says when an unclean spirit has gone out of a man he walks through dry places seeking rest and finds none and then he said I will return into my house from whence I come out and when he came out he will find it he will find it empty swept and garnished and then he goeth he bring, and, 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 and takes with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter there and dwell there. And the last state of the man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be unto this wicked generation. Okay? So now the conversation begins to get a little bit more intense. Right? So I'm going to share with you a few thoughts. And some of this was prompted by an address Pastor John shared an encouragement the other day and now this is what what prompted he, he made reference to a portion in Luke 
But when I looked at this, I said, this is something that is a challenge. And this is what a challenge we see in the body of Christ right now. Now, this, the Bible says, when an unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it goes to dry places. And then it seeks rest, but it, when it doesn't find rest, it comes back. And look at the word. In verse 44, it says, then he said, this is the unclean spirit saying, I will return into my house from whence I came out. That means when you cast out a demon from a person, that spirit is not leaving on its own accord. So when it leaves, it still feels a sense of ownership over the body of the person. Now understand that spirits occupy spaces, places, and people. Spaces, places, and people. So the, the reality is that when you cast the spirit out, the spirit has been removed forcibly. But it still feels a sense of ownership because it possessed. Now there's a difference between oppression and possession. Oppression is when you are oppressed of the devil, it, it, it will manifest in, in, in sometimes physical symptoms. It will also manifest in, in mindset and mentality settings. But possession is where you're now under the full control of the enemy and he is the, that spirit is controlling you. And in many cases, you know, over the years, we, 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 we didn't speak much about it and people just feel like, you know, we can just live how we want to. It doesn't matter. Yes. You don't understand. That's why you think that. The reality is that if we if we neglect, this is why it's so important. Many believers in this time are using many things as excuses why they are not focus, focusing on their spiritual lives. And but they don't understand when you create an empty space, you create room for the enemy to come in, and then you create room for oppression and you create room for depression. Yeah. There are some sicknesses that are manifesting through oppression in your life yeah. because you've allowed a gateway for the enemy. Yeah. The gateway that the enemy has over your life is for your eyes. Yeah. You know, eyes causes the biggest problems. That's why some people wear sunglasses. <laughs> Everyone can't see where they're looking. Okay, But the problem is our eyes is a big problem. I spoke about it the other time, you know, old people will say your eyes are too big for you. You know? But the reality is that our eyes are a problem. It's a gateway. Because the things that we see now consumes our thoughts and consumes our actions. And also suggests what our actions should be. Our ears is a gateway. Because whatever we hear now starts to affect our, our lives and our behavior and our actions. But whatever we speak becomes a gateway for oppression and possession. So be, be careful of the gateways and the access points the enemy has in your life. But look at this. The Bible says when the unclean spirit has gone out, it goes to the dry places. So that means it goes away for a season. Now I've seen this many, many times in church. We've got people that come, give their hearts to the Lord, get saved, and all of a sudden there's a, there's a big change about. But it doesn't last long. After a while, we get what we call people that are backsliding. That means they may even be in church, but there is now, 
the slowly and slowly it becomes harder and harder for them to be in church. Or slowly, slowly they are making decisions that is contrary to the word. That means you're not living according to the word of the Lord. If you're not living according to the word of the Lord, there's something else influencing your decisions. This is the this is the challenge. So he says the spirit goes out and look at this. It says after a while it will say, I'm going to return back to the body that I came out of. And so it returns. And when it returns, it finds it empty, swept, and clean. It's like the person that just gave the heart, uh, that said, hey, I want to be a Christian, I want to be a believer. But they didn't get to the place where they now saying, Holy Spirit, come into my life. They didn't get to the place where they're saying, now I'm a child of God. I'm not going to do the old things. I'm going to fill my life with the presence of God. That means this is a person that was uh, that, that was possessed, the person that was in need of healing. We heard of a lot of people that came to church and said, pray, they, they got healed, they got delivered, and, and, and they get excited that they got healed and delivered, and they come to church for a little while, and after a while, you don't see them anymore. Now, the Bible says this is what the Spirit does. It comes, it sees me, clean, straight. Oh, nice. But it doesn't just come back itself. It says, the Bible says it goes and brings seven others worse than itself. And it comes to occupy, why is it? Why does this happen? Because now it's saying, I do not want to go myself. I'm going to take company. And this is going to get worse. And the Bible says, and, the, and, 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 and when they enter there, they will dwell there. And the last state of the person will be worse than the person. Why do you stop? Uh, uh, this is the challenge. You should stop playing church. Stop being lukewarm. The reality is that if we do not fill the space with the spirit and the presence of God, something else, the demonic spirits will come and occupy the space. And we want to know, you, you know, sometimes we've seen people that got saved over the years. We, uh, we've been fasting over 30 years, and I've seen people give their hearts to the Lord. I see them get on fire, and all of a sudden, you know, a guy that was in drugs, or a guy in alcohol, or just living a bad life, and all of a sudden he gets healed and restored, and he gets on fire for the Lord, and the next thing I, I find a spouse or a family member come and say, oh, now you think you're too good. You're too holy for us. You know, you know when someone starts that, that story with you, you find that spirit immediately. Hey! Yeah. <laughs> you know like how Jesus said to Peter, yeah. get the behind me, Satan. Yeah. You know, sometimes you have to say, hey, get the behind me, Satan. <laughs> In the face. They yeah. say it straight out there. Yeah. When people are speaking stuff, get the behind me, Satan. You don't need it. Why? Because I've seen people that they're just turning their life around. They know where they came from. They know what it is, but all of a sudden now, you, you know, sometimes the spouse, sometimes the family members. You see, because you know, when you're drunk, you you're putting for everybody, whether it means food, whether you're buying, you're spending money. You, you, you understand? Yeah. Now you're wise. Now you awake. You you know what's happening. You're not putting spending anymore. You start noticing things that you didn't notice before in the home. You start noticing, and so what happens? Have one party, have one bride, invite your friends, bring 
a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Next thing, seven times worse. Yeah. Yeah. The person cannot come out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Because there was a doorway that was yeah. opened. Be careful in your in your lives. This is why God puts people in your life to help them in their weaknesses. You don't you don't keep quiet when you see the weaknesses starting to flourish yeah. because you love them. You address it. Amen. Whether you're the wife, whether you're the husband, you address it. Because this is the important thing. If you can't address that, you're going to have a challenge. Yeah. That means if, if, you, if you've got a child or a loved one mm -hmm. around and you can see, hey, they're going down a path mm -hmm. that is going to hurt them. You don't say, okay, let them find their own way. Yeah. Now, I did that yesterday. I did that yesterday. Josh and I, we were driving, we went to a place and I said to him, take this road. He said, no, this is wrong and this is windy and this and that. I'm going to turn this way. And he was driving that way. His mother says, uh, I said, you're going down the wrong way. Then, then his mother said, no, show him the right way. And this way. I said, no, he chose the way. Find his way out. Amen. Then he comes around and oh. I said, not oh, you could have listened first and we would have. You understand? This, but this is the thing. You all know the story of Pastor Chola. <laughs> but the, the thing is, but the thing is, we don't want people to get worse. Yes. If we see certain things, God has delivered it. If God delivered you out of something, whether it's a habit, whether it's yeah. gambling, and, and you know, we focus on the, the overt ones, and those are ones, unfortunately, we always pick up. You know, whether it was alcoholism, yeah. whether it was addictions, whatever. But you know what? There's other things that God yeah. has delivered yeah. us from. Yeah. Yeah, if the Lord has delivered you from that, kick it. Yes. Yeah. 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 Fully. Yeah. Come on. If the Lord has saved you, you were an unbeliever, you gave your heart to the Lord, you knew you, God delivered you from a demonic uh, you know, oppression or, uh, or possession in your life, don't go back to doing the same things you were doing before. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? The Bible says the only thing that goes back to his vomit is a dog. I don't see no dogs. Yeah, Only a dog goes back to its home. You have to get to that place. God deliver me from this. Amen. So the Bible, because you don't want to get seven times worse. Amen. And this is the challenge for Christians, for us, all of us. You know when we, you know the old days when the people used to get saved, and whether they got saved from a from from Hinduism. Or or whatever they got saved, whatever belief system that they got saved from and they gave their heart to the Lord, they made a complete cut from them. Some of them even changed relationships, things, friends, so that they could not get influenced by that again. But today we struggle to make these things. We struggle to make the change because we keep doors open. And the Bible says the, the enemy loves empty spaces. It will occupy empty spaces. Now you heard it said by your teacher, and you said you heard it said by your parents. An empty mind, idle mind, idle mind, idle mind. But it's also empty. Yeah. <laughs> because if it's idle, that means uh, nothing flowing, right? So I'm saying an empty mind. There was virtue, right? So be careful. Watch over it. Seven times, seven times worse. Now, 
we think this is a challenge. This is a challenge for individuals. But what's the challenge for the nation? Right now, like South Africa, many of the nations, including South Africa, is in a place of transition. There's been a, there's a lot being done to clean house, remove corruption, remove, you know, stealing and theft and all of those things. We don't want to call it that, we call it corruption, but it's really theft. And it's really, you know, all of those things, right? But the reality is that, what are we replacing it with? If we don't replace it with something, the challenge is that something seven times worse than what we have right now will come upon us. Now, we all know that apartheid was bad, right? And it had a negative impact. But democracy is showing itself to be as bad. Yeah. I'm not saying apartheid is better than democracy. Democracy is good. But we have a poor understanding of democracy. Let's face it, right now there are laws being passed that is impacting all of your lives. There's a law that has been passed to validate, you know, the, the, the there's a, a teaching uh, thing that they brought in about sex education in the schools. But there's a law that has been passed right now that is allowing your children to identify their own sexual orientation. That means your child can come to you and say, I identify as a he, she, or gay, lesbian, our country made that law. Right? In the Marriage Act, has been really re reformed. That means they're not defining marriage as a man to one woman, one man to one woman. They're defining it as you can have a polygamous marriage, right? You know, it's polygamy, right? One guy can have many wives. But now there is a new thing, polyandry that says one woman can have many husbands. They say, hey, you know, this, if we can go the other side, we can go this side. <laughs> right? And now the challenge is that everybody's up in arms. This is against our culture. But then there are things, there are marriage proposals between males and females, but that's not a problem. Now, because now and now the woman can take many wives, that, no, no. Now we've got a problem. I'm, 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 I'm trying to understand this. If you understand, yeah, yeah where, I'm, where I'm going? Seven times worse. Yeah. There are some, some, and these are bills that have been passed daily. Some, or some of it is up for discussion right now. But within the process, they've been passing bills. How many of you know about all these bills that are out there? But it's by the people you voted in. We believe in a country for the people, by the people. By who? Which people? Not me. We've got to start to become observant of what's happening around us. Because it's going to impact how our life is. And you know, once it's a law, it's going to be hard for us to deal with to remove it. There are many things that are happening on a daily basis. There's a new Equality Act out there. And it's not just about equality in terms of uh, distribution of resources or access to, to resources.
But this is now redefining the whole aspect of discrimination. If, some, if you share something that is contrary to somebody else's self-belief system, it's not even a recognized belief system, if that person was offended by that, that person can charge you for discrimination based on it. And this is not only for companies, but this is for the church. It's going to impact. Like what I'm saying today, I may end up in jail. <laughs> because someone got offended. This is the challenge. This is the place where we're coming to. So the things, the freedoms that we once voted in for, we understood. I want you to understand this. You may think it's political. No, no, it's not. The spirit of a Shema prophet has to be descending to what is happening. Remember, Elijah wasn't dealing with just church stuff. He was dealing with the, with the religious spirit of his day. He was dealing with the Jezebel of his day. He was dealing with the Thalia of his day. He's dealing with the spirits of Baal of his day. We, we have to understand it's not, not just about am I saved, I'm going to heaven, you know, that's the thing. No, no, it's about what's the condition when I get there? What have I allowed in my life? What have I allowed in our spirit? We are allowed, we are, as a church, 80% Christian country, where's our value system? Yeah. I said to you, when they cannot judge, the moral integrity of an individual, what do they do? They challenge the spirit by which you operate. This is what is happening in the world today and in the church and in our country. Because they cannot judge your moral integrity, they have to now start to judge the spirit by what you're doing. And if I can stifle the spirit, what did the Bible say? As he ends up in, that, in, in, in verse 45, he says, even so shall it be unto this wicked generation. You had it. You've got a responsibility to do something about it. Yeah. In whichever sphere you are, some of you got internet, you got email, you got Facebook, instead of posting like or don't like, find things that you can comment on and say, this is not what I believe. Write some reports, write some comments about the laws that have been passed and show how it is impacting on your life and your belief system. Because your belief system is right. But the freedoms are slowly, slowly being taken away. There's also the, the freedom of access to information. There's few, many things that are coming out that is going to control how you think and access. Even in our country, they're gonna, they want to control how communication is sent via the internet, via different social media platforms. Very, very soon we'll become like China and other countries that is controlling the way information is shared. If we're not aware of these things, it's going to impact on us. Amen? So, let's trust God. Let us shama our households. Yeah. Firstly, shama your life. Yeah. That means exercise self-control. Yeah. Exercise right living. But then, shama your homes, your families, your children, your communities, and our society. Shama the house of God, guard the house of God. Amen? Because I'm telling you, the day is coming when the freedoms that we once enjoyed is not going to be there anymore. Amen? May God bless us. Remember, 
deal with the empty spaces in your life. Because empty spaces always wants to be filled by something. And there's a battle for that space. So don't allow any empty spaces in your life. Allow the Lord to fill it fully. Amen. Let's bow our heads together. Father, we love you. Father, we adore you. Father, we glorify your name. Today, you may be listening, you may be watching, you may be even in this house and you're saying, Pastor, you know, the Lord has delivered me from much, but I haven't fully given my heart to the Lord. I haven't fully accepted Him as a Lord and Savior. I haven't asked Him, Lord, come, in, come into my life. Occupy every space. I've, I've, I've kept space for other stuff in my life. I've not really let the old man die completely. Today is the day. You can say, Lord, deliver me. Heal me. Like you did for the dumb and the blind man. Heal me. Remove the spirit of blindness from this generation, Lord. Remove the spirit of, 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 of dumbness that we, we will be able to speak. There's power in the words that we release. The enemy wants to muzzle your sight. He wants to muzzle your mouth. But today I declare by the grace of God that you are de delivered and you are healed. I saw you ask, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I believe that the, on the Lord Jesus Christ, that he died and he rose again and he's coming back for me. I confess my sins, Lord. Now, Lord, I ask you, come into my life. Take all of me. Holy Spirit, lead and guide me. Father, just help your people. That there will be no empty spaces in our lives. Points of access for the enemy. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. 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 Well, God bless you.